I just realized it's recording right now. So it's like the first word that I said is we. <laughs> good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or just depending on when you're joining us, where you're joining us from. Uh, welcome. Thanks for being here with uh, Teen Contemplation. So if this is your first time in the space, extra special welcome to you. Uh, we do prepare our tea together uh, in this space. So you can start your hot water heating now if you like. You don't need to have already made your tea to come here. That's it's kind of part of the deal, is making the tea together. Uh, I will suggest that, especially if you uh, live somewhere that is getting into the, the warmer months of the year, you know, it's, or maybe even just today is just kind of a random hot day, like it tends to be in the springtime sometimes. Um, perhaps don't heat your water as hot as you might have been doing in the winter time. You know, we just need it like hot enough. You know, the tea sits for quite a while as it's steeping, so it doesn't need to be super hot water. Um, and then once you have your water going, we can begin this process of gathering anything that we feel we would like to call into the space today. So anything that helps you just stop for a little bit, you know, something that feels supportive. So we are paying attention to, you know, the cup that we're drinking our tea from. That's something that feels comfortable to hold. Um, perhaps even maybe reminds us a bit of spring with its colors or its patterns. We might have flowers in our space. We might have a, like a little tablecloth that designates the area that we're practicing. So things that call us to stillness, that call us to a, a special space that we are creating for ourselves, even if just for a few minutes, you know, it's still a sacred space. So thinking on what would help you practice today. Maybe there's some things around the house that are nearby, even just bringing in like a little plant friend so that it could be closer to you. And then making yourself comfortable, which is a gradual process, right? We don't just immediately snap into it. We allow ourselves to settle. And that's what we're going to begin our practice with, which is a bit of settling. So there's not the biggest rush. We go nice and slow here, but whenever you have what you think you need. Go ahead and allow yourself the joy of just sitting. So just make yourself comfortable. Make yourself over to your, your cushion or your chair, your sofa that you're sitting on. And if you've been sitting for a little bit already, sitting for a few minutes prior to just jumping on with us and, and getting started, let's actually consciously resettle. So maybe even just lifting yourself up on your seat a little bit and allow yourself to actually just settle in like it is the first time you have sat down under your cushion this morning, adjusting the feet, adjusting the hips, allowing the arms to relax and the hands to, to rest and to do nothing. And for this first part, we're just noticing how we're settling in and noticing how we feel today. As we're sitting here, we can have the eyes closed if that feels like it helps us to focus, but we can also leave the eyes open. If the eyes are open, try to have your gaze be soft, whatever it's looking at, maybe something that is close to you on your tea table, like your waiting tea or your tea bowl or a plant friend, 
have the gaze be soft so that it's not examining what's in front of you in great detail, but it's just simply resting and noticing. Imagine what it would be like for your eyes to actually just rest. Rest while being open. And as we sit here for just a moment, allowing ourselves to be open to the possibility of where we want to be today might be a bit different than how we actually are. Give yourself the time to just notice how do you feel today without trying to get in the way of it or explain it. There's no one around but you. There's no one to explain it to. Just how are you doing today? Noticing how your energy feels, how the body feels. Noticing the patterns that go by in the mind. Thoughts that are clouds that come and go. And so this is the point that we're starting from. It's really important to honor and observe this space. This is where we're starting from today. We don't just jump ahead to the middle or the end of the story. We start at the beginning. So we notice how we're breathing. And we'll do this quite a bit in our practice with our tea. So we just notice how the breath is right now as we're just getting started. We don't have to lengthen it or deepen it or make it behave in any kind of way. Just notice where does your breath begin from? Where can you feel it in your body when you first notice the sensation of breath arising? Where does your in-breath start? And when you exhale, where does it end? Just notice a few inhales and exhales moving on your own time. What does it feel like to simply sit and inhale and exhale? And once we feel settled, let's go ahead and gently shift our awareness, our perception of the space around us to also include our tea. 
so we can pick up the tea that we have brought into our space today. Your tea might be in a little dish so that you can see the leaves and get up close to them. It might be in a package. It's in a package. Go ahead and open it up and see how up close you can get to your tea. How much more room and space to breathe can we give our leaves? And while you're holding your tea and just noticing the different shapes and colors of this particular tea, and allowing the fingertips to play in the leaves. I'm just noticing different textures and sounds of this tea. And reminding yourself that what you're feeling, what you're looking at is specific to this tea and this moment with this tea. This doesn't happen again. And bring the leaves in your dish or in your package to the nose and allow the breath to just be with this tea. So breathing in and out over the leaves, gently warming them with your breath, Noticing what arises when we do this, when we get really close, what can we notice? Like being a kid again, laying belly down in the grass, looking at little ants, smelling the soil, the world from a much more up close perspective. And remembering what that was like to not have to name or describe or classify things, but to just be in their presence. And then now go ahead and serve yourself into your tea bowl a little portion of leaves. So we just take a nice pinch of thumb and first few fingers. Something that seems like a little spoonful of leaves. They place them directly in our tea bowl. We're gonna be enjoying our tea from. We don't need anything else, a strainer or spoon or filter, just leaves inside the bowl. And as the tea is resting at the bottom of the bowl, just notice all of the space around it. Empty space inside the bowl that is waiting and full of possibility. And then go ahead and get your hot water. Go ahead and get your kettle. You might need to move in your space, stand up to go to the kitchen or something like that. Just take your time. Be at ease in your movements. Traditionally, when preparing tea, the way that we pour the water, the way that we scoop it from the container, all of this is actually part of practice. So getting up to go get your kettle from the kitchen is not a chore. It's moving in your space with your tea. And then with 
you have your hot water, go ahead and start slowly adding the water over the leaves. Going as slow as you possibly can for the kettle that you're holding. I'm gonna slow down the little stream that's coming out. And so that the leaves inside the bowl can just move in this slow wave-like pattern. and you have the time to actually enjoy the action of what you're doing. Once you've added the water, you invite in a moment of quiet conversation with the tea. So our hands can be resting in our lap. And notice which way helps your hands feel like they actually can rest. Maybe having them folded today feels like they're still holding tension. It might be comfortable to have the palms resting on top of the knees, palms face down, rooted position, a steady position. And having your tea bowl directly in front of you, in front of your center, so that when you're just naturally gazing downward, it is the first thing that you encounter. And what do you see happening inside the bowl today? How is the tea moving or not moving? How do you notice the presence of air in the tea? You notice the air and the steam that rises from the bowl. You might notice air in little bubbles that are trapped in the fold and twists of the leaves and being released into the water around. In what ways do you notice water? You notice water in the steam and the beads that collect on the inside of the bowl. We notice water in clarity and in color from the surface of the tea all the way to the bottom of the bowl. We notice how water affects how the leaves move. They move in this slow, very dreamy state, very held. Where do you see fire in your tea? Where do you notice the presence of heat and warmth and its actions inside the bowl. Consider also 
the process that the bolt itself was made from. Where do you notice Earth? What action does Earth take? Earth is the gravity, the bottom of the bowl that holds the tea. The space that allows the leaves to bloom and to rise up from the earth. That creates for them this loving container to grow and to expand. And with our tea, as we see the leaves opening up and changing form, it seems like it's a, a form change, but it's really a return to the tea as it was before. When it was made, how it was grown in the garden. And so in this elemental space, we also see time. Picking up our tea bowl and bringing the tea bowl to the nose. Breathing in this tea, and we're also breathing in time here too. The smell of the tea here is the smell of the tea from the place that it was made, at the time that it was made. and now returning to us in a different form. And we breathe in the, the past and the present. What we exhale out is the future. It is where this tea goes from here. If the temperature seems okay for you, we can take a sip of this wonderful tea. Inviting ourselves to be fully present for what reveals itself in this first sip. The weight of the tea, the texture, the parts, of ourselves that wake up, that come alive when we interact with the tea. Spaces in the nose and in the mouth, spaces in the mind. Just noticing this slow bit of awareness, like the sunrise creeping up over the horizon. Allowing yourself a moment to just see it before going in for a second sip whenever you feel called. 
and considering with this tea as we're sipping this relationship with time. The past and the present and the future all together in the same cup. The same is true for each tea leaf in the cup. That the leaves when they are picked from the plant are very young. They're little, just little tender shoots, little tiny leaves. The size that you see them in your bowl is the size that they were when they were growing. And yet they come from a tree. with deep roots and deep stories that show up in the cup as we're drinking this tea. That the newest generation, the newest leaves carry that story into the future. taking your time, taking a sip of tea, and then allowing yourself to just sit with it. Imagining almost as if you could watch each drop of rain in a spring shower. But that's what this process of taking in our tea might be like. as we feel this spring rain inside ourselves, taking small and slow sips of our tea, invite for yourself an awareness. What would it be like to just know the whole of time happening inside yourself in every single moment? And even if just for a brief moment, free of some of the constructs that we put around the ideas of time. So that we can truly witness what arises just as we do as we sit here with our tea. What arises with the tea, and what arises within you.
yesterday uh, there were a few Earth Day kind of celebratory conversations and <clears throat> my, uh, my partner Julie uh, was really excited to sit with Joanna Macy, the great um, environmental um, activist, Rilke translator, philosopher, visionary. Um, I should have looked up her age before this session, but um, she's quite elderly. And, um, and also to, to sit with Jane Goodall, who was also up there. Um, and uh, Julie was just soaking in the wisdom of these, these two elderly women. And uh, she texted me and, and she said, um, how, come, how come it's, uh, it's all the elderly folks with all the hope? You know, like, why is there so much hope coming from these people who've been around so long? And, you know, in both of their cases, looking directly at ecological devastation um, for many, many, many years. And, of course, that got me thinking about the subject of today's session, which, of course, is tree. For those of you that um, are joining for the first time today, this month we've been looking at this theme of the call to grow by using uh, different stages in the life cycle of, of a tree as kind of uh, foundation for inquiry. And today we've arrived at the mature tree itself. And you know, so what, is it, what does it mean to have um, a mature body, to have like arrived in the fullness of, of growth? Because of course, the growth process never stops. And it got me thinking about this idea of weathering that uh, bodies that have been on this plane for some time have had to weather many 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 different events and experiences and as a result you know we say that that we become weathered or we are weathered Every season, you can see just how intense and, and violent um, weathering can be, right? If you just look around your neighborhood and watch the way the trees respond to the brutality of intense storms or even just to the cycle of emerging after winter. It's like very intense the form itself changes a lot things are falling off elements are dying off there's shriveling there's cracking there's release of all kinds of limbs and pieces not to mention of course the falling leaves in the in the autumn and so you know we have this sense that a mature being is sturdy and stable 
But a mature being is also going through all kinds of release and transformation. So part of what I just want to bring into the, the space today is this question uh, within ourselves. You know, what, what are the things that continue to define our sturdiness? And how do those relate to the, the elements of our being that perhaps over, over this last year, year and a half, have really had to uh, rupture or shift in dramatic and intense ways? When you contemplate the structure of your own being in that way, what, what comes up? I can't speak for Joanna Macy or Jane Goodall, um, but I have read a fair amount of Joanna Macy's writing. And one of the things that it seems, that seems to animate Joanna Macy's lightness and sense of possibility is the intimacy of engagement with grief processes that uh, she does not shy away from the feeling into devastating circumstances. And in fact, she recognizes, in part due to her training in, in Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist practice, she recognizes this truth that kind of the only the only way out is through and so when when we are encountered when we encounter conditions or situations that seem life breaking that we kind of remember that we are still alive and that we have certain duties in this realm, in this mature body, we have certain duties to tend to the breaking. You know, maybe we're literally watching a branch, a major limb, maybe we're watching a major limb fall. Because grief is, of course, a love practice. It's a, it is loving absence. And when we turn away from those processes, it seems that we also diminish our ability to, um, to see, 
possibility. Because as mature bodies, we have the gift of time. Long time, right? It's, it's the sense of time that a child doesn't have. And of course, we can think about what the sense of time that a, a thousand-year-old redwood has. You know, that, that even the trees around us are great teachers in relationship to time. In uh, one of my favorite novels of the last couple years, uh, The Overstory by Richard Powers. Uh, of course, if you like trees, this is, a, this is the book for you. Um, <clears throat> there's a character whose family has this practice of photographing a chestnut tree that's on their property. And it's sort of this strange... Uh, practice that's been handed down generation by generation of this uh, family of farmers. None of them is really sure why they do it. Like the great grandfather started it, just started photographing this chestnut tree. And um, they just develop a, a series. Uh, so it's every month, every month they photograph the tree uh, on a tripod in the exact same place. Uh, Photograph the tree, develop the photo, stick it in a box. Every month, every month, the great-grandfather does it, the grandfather, the father, and then this character in the book also does it. And uh, I thought I'd read just a section of it for you. On the first day of spring... 1903, John Hole positions the number two brownie, that's the camera name, and takes a full-length portrait of the sentinel chestnut leafing out. One month later to the day, from the same spot and the same hour, he takes another. The 21st of every month finds him up on his rise. It becomes a ritual devotion, even in rain and snow and killing heat, his own private liturgy of the church of the spreading vegetative God. His wife teases him without mercy, as do his children. He's waiting for it to do something interesting. When he assembles the first year's 12 black and white prints and rifles them with his, with his thumb, they show precious little for his enterprise. In one instant, the tree makes leaves from nothing. In the next, it offers up everything to the thickening light. Otherwise, the branches merely endure. So, you know, over time, hundreds of these photographs develop, generation by generation by generation. And later in the story, uh, the character thumbs through this like thick stack of photographs and is blown away to see the animation of this chestnut tree over over decades and decades and decades and 
that the movement of the tree over that time span is like incredibly dynamic. You can see the limbs uh, actually moving to catch light in the same way that, you know, I'm moving my arms. It's just a different time span. And I wanted to bring that story in because I think that it reflects something that we all do as we mature, right? That, you know, even I'm 40 now, even now I can sense the kind of the difference in waking the way that my body, you know, the way that I wake my body up very different than when I was in my early 20s. You know, like I can see the the accretion of time in this body. And the sense that um, it feels like there are certain elements of life that I've experienced a million times. I'm almost I'm almost um, exhausted with a cert certain patterns, right? Um, but also, when I look at my experience with a different lens in relationship to time and desire and resilience. Um, I can see myself looking for light. 